0: You have been listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit
1: day3church.com.
0: We're doing a series uh, for the new year entitled New. Um, and, uh, you know, being new and, and, and involves areas in our lives uh, uh, spiritually, definitely. Before I jump into <clears throat> that, though... Um, sometime probably during this series, maybe next week, uh, we're going to, I'm going uh, D- Dave and Aggie is going to talk to you in just a minute, and uh, I'm going to kind I'm giving you an illustration of it in advance this morning, uh, kindly. Uh, that's where these organic apples come from, uh, every week out there, you know, trying to give us some uh, healthy options and, and stuff, and just uh, still some of the other stuff and, and all. So, uh, uh, most of you know I've had to make a lot of uh, changes this year, so, uh, having a new life involves uh, doing the right things physically, too, so uh, maybe next week or something like that, they'll share with you just a moment about that, uh, some, because I think the church ought to be interested in those kind of things, too, so that's why I'm eating an apple this morning. You can say you came to day three church, and the pastor went on stage, and you sat there and ate an apple. Um, the reason we're focusing on new is simply because that's what people do at uh and New Year's. Uh, they'll talk about making New Year resolutions. <clears throat> they'll talk about wanting to forget the past, the negative stuff in the last year, uh, try and focus on hopefully new opportunities, better days, you know, whatever the case might be in a, uh, in a coming year. There's a lot of talk about new. So I thought it would be a really opportune time for us to talk about that from a biblical standpoint because the Bible has a lot to say about about new. Um, What we are talking about in this series, you can see the topics that we're going to bring up here. We talked last week about a new song and actually gave a a lot more time to actually practice that, singing a a new song. Today we're going to talk about a new life. Next week we're going to talk about new mercy. I don't know if you guys are happy with with that idea or not. Do you realize the Bible says His mercies are, are new every morning? Thank God for that, huh? I mean, if you're perfect and you don't need that, bless you, you know? <laughs> I'm glad the Bible tells me that. A new commandment, and uh, all things new. One day, all things are going to be made new. But today we're talking about a new life. And uh, the reason that we can have a new life is simply because of Jesus Christ. We can have a new life when we trust in Jesus as our savior. It changes our life, it changes our eternity. It even changes the the way we can and should live our lives when we when we trust in him as savior. The Bible tells us that when we trust Christ as our savior, he changes us into new creations. So, in other words, we're new. We have a new life, and, and the old is gone. And that's kind of our, our text today. Look with me in these verses in 2 Corinthians. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. This is Paul kind of being transparent, admitting the way he used to view Jesus. But he says, we regard him thus no longer. <clears throat> not counting their trespasses against them, and and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He, talking about the Father, made Him, talking about the Son, to be sinned who knew no sin, so that in Him... Once again, talking about Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. We're going to look at these verses and, and break those verses down. And, and in these verses, look about how this new life applies to those of us to begin with and know Christ as our Savior, but also how uh, we need to allow this new life that we're talking about to apply to other believers and, and how. There's a lost world around us that needs the same new life that we have. And how we need to be offering that to them. So, to begin with this morning, your your first blank, if you're following along, filling in the blanks there is this. We're going to talk about a a new life for me. And the reason I put me is personalized. You know, you can write it and you're talking about yourself if you know Christ is your Savior. I, I can say me. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. You see, I'm part of the anyone. And if you know Christ as your Savior, you're part of the anyone. That's, that's why you can personalize it. That's why you can say, there's a new life for me in Jesus. And that ought to thrill you. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm very happy that if you know Christ as your Savior, that you can write down a new life for me. But can I tell you something? And you ought to feel the same way. I'm not trying to minimize you. I'm thrilled that you can write down me if you know Christ as your Savior. I'm ecstatic that I can write it down. And you ought to feel the same way. You ought to be so happy if you know Christ as your Savior that you can write down that little word me. Saying there's a new life for me because of what Jesus has done for me. What's the reason for it again? What's the, the reason for this new life well paul wrote there therefore if anyone is in christ that's why in the only reason why you and i can have a new life that's the only reason why the old can be forgiven that's the only reason why we can know we have everlasting life and go into heaven that's the only reason why we become new creations and and the old is gone and buried as far as god's concerned it's because we are in christ look what that that means here just for a moment See, if you're in Christ, you have a new life because the word in literally means this in the Greek. We'll read little words like in in the English Bible and not think much about it, you know. But, but the word that was used in, in the Greek is this. It, it's, a, it's a preposition that denotes a fixed position. So what that means is simply this. If you are in Christ, you are in Christ forever. Amen. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, God put you in Christ, and that never, ever, ever changes. The, the word means a, a relation of rest. In other words, just, you know, just like you guys came in and you sat down to rest in chairs today, that's kind of an image of what we have to do in Jesus. It is that we rest in him that we put our our trust in him and we rest completely in who he is and what he has has done for us. It's a fixed permanent thing that happens and it's not based upon your performance because it doesn't say if you're in yourself. It says if anyone is in who in Christ, it's based in the performance of Jesus. It's based in his finished work on the cross. That's why you can have everlasting life. That's why you can have a new life. That's how you become a new creation, because you have trusted in Christ, and that means you are forever, ever saved. I I don't know how the world gets that wrong a lot, in a lot of churches sometimes, and you know, we'll we'll get that wrong. And people will get it wrong in their theology and everything, but I've, I mean, I've looked it up several times, guys, and eternal life, guess what It, it means, eternal life? It doesn't mean it's eternal for a little while and then it's gone. That's not eternal to start with. If you are in Christ, the moment you are in Christ, it is a fixed, permanent position that can never change. That's the reason for you having a a new life. Not just the reason for a new life, but the the definition for a new life can also be found in these words that we're looking at. It says, He is a new creation. See, that's that's a very definition of having a new life. Of being a new creation—that's what it means to have new life in Christ. God changes you so much so that you're brand new, so much so that you are a a new creation in Him. The word "new" means in freshness. It's you know it's not like you know it's it's not like there's a completely different person that you've never existed before. But God remakes you completely in in, in freshness as something different that's happened in your life. The word for creation means the original formation. It means to fabricate. It it, it means to get or acquire by any means or to purchase. And as I thought about that word this week and and maybe how to explain this idea of of how we are a new creature, a new creation in Christ, maybe look at it in these terms. Our our original formation as sinners is simply that. We're, We're sinners and we're separated from God. But because He bought us, he got us by any means, through his shed blood, that original formation is changed into a new formation. Does that make sense? He he has completely recreated us in Christ. We're we're completely new creatures in him. That's that's the very meaning of what it is to have new life, and that is that you're a new creation. It's not like you've You've flipped over another page. It's it's not like you've reformed yourself. It's not like you're trying to to have these moral resolutions to where you'll, you'll change your life. The way and the only way you really get a new life is by being in Christ. And when we are in Christ, it says not that you are becoming a new creation, but did you notice the way that was phrased? It says He is a new creation. The instant, the moment Jesus came into your life, You, at that moment, became a new creation as far as God was concerned. Now, do we still remember some of our old junk? Yeah, we do. Do other people remember it? I'll deal with that in a moment. But the Bible clearly tells us that if we are in Christ, that we are a new creation. And you see, the the deal with that is that I want you to really focus on just for a second here is not just the reason why you can have new life, and what it means by being a, a, a new creature, a new creation of Christ. But I, I want you to understand how much of a blessing it is. Look at what's said there, as Paul continues to write. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Now, I want you to read that a couple of times and think about it. And if you know Christ is your Savior, if that doesn't bless you, there's something wrong with your blesser. And before it can really bless you, you need to get really honest with yourself and who you are and who you were. And the fact the Bible says we are all sinners, we all deserve condemnation, we all deserve to be separated from God for all eternity, nobody's jumping into heaven based on their own merit. For that to really bless you, stop and think about the old for a minute. Now, if you want to sit there and not be blessed and lie to yourself and say, well, my old was pretty good, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm sorry, my old wasn't very good. And if you'll be honest, not just how you view yourself, but how God views you, and if you'll compare yourself with Christ instead of other people, you're going to come up with this conclusion that your old is pretty messed up. So it's an extreme blessing that we can know the old, what we used to be, what we were guilty for, the, the sin that we had committed, that the, the old, all of that when we are in Christ has passed away. And, and he says, behold, and it's almost like he's saying, hey, lo, look at this. When you look at it in, in the Greek, he, he's saying you need to understand something. The new has come. If you're in Christ, your old is passed away and buried. Satan wants to keep bringing it up. Satan wants you to keep remembering it. But as far as God is concerned, if you're in Christ, the old, there's been a funeral over it. It is gone. It was crucified on the cross with Jesus. It was buried with him. And now the new life that Jesus, when he took his resurrected life back up, gives us a picture of the new life that we have. We have new life in him. Look at what else Paul says about this. Galatians chapter 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, I what? Died with Jesus, what he's saying. It is no longer I who live. So he's talking about from a believer's standpoint, I was crucified with Jesus. So right now, as a believer, Paul's saying, I'm not even alive anymore, but it's Christ who lives in me. A complete change that takes place, a new life. The blessing of having this new life. He also writes this in Romans. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. That's the way you need to view yourself. That's how God views you. Our problem is when temptation comes, we view ourselves as though we're still alive and I've got the right to make that choice. If we need to view ourselves as God views us, and we are dead, and if we're dead, a corpse can't go out and sin. That's what I need to tell myself when temptation comes around. I'm dead, the old Imparsons is gone, Jesus lives in me, and I need to live a different life now. That's the way we need to approach temptation when it hits our lives. So the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with Him. The blessing of having a new life. Think how great a blessing that is. You guys aren't getting it. You stayed up too long last night. I mean, tell me—is that not a great blessing if you know Christ is your Savior to understand that old is gone? A while back, um, I uh, bumped into to, to Sammy. Uh, we're, this this is how you spell Sammy's name, and I'll tell you how we pronounce it. And the reason I asked that because uh, I'm not from Caldwell County. I'm from Wilkes County. We're just as bad to butcher things as. Uh, the, the English language and everything else, but uh, Sammy's been coming here for a while. And, and Sammy Wynn is kind of the way you you pronounce it. Uh, when uh, Sammy called to uh, respond to a request I'd given him, uh, my phone spelled it uh, W Y N N is the way it spelled it. You know, just giving me the, uh, a text message on it. But I bumped into Sammy at a fair value. I don't know, three four months ago, maybe. Uh, time flies with me anymore. I'm getting old, and uh, and we're standing there and. And uh, I'd seen him here, and and Sammy, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but during, uh, you know, fellowship time where we're shaking hands, man, he's always just kind of energetic and shaking your hand. And So I'd seen him on that level, but I had not had the chance to really talk to him in depth, and we started talking a little bit there in Fair Value, and uh, and he just kind of blew me away with his testimony about stuff. So since we're talking about uh, a new life in Christ, and if I can find out what I did with your mic, Sammy. Oh, you've got it there. Okay, <laughs> I laid it down back there. I guess I'm sorry, uh, but Sammy's going to come up for a few minutes, then I'll come back and go on with a message. But uh, since we're talking about a new life, I want you to have the chance to hear uh, from somebody who who Christ had, has given a new life. And as you can tell, as as, as Sammy comes, uh, you know, culturally, there's some differences in things in in his life from his past and everything. So I think that even makes it more. Uh, Excited, you know a little bit. So, uh, you give uh, give Sammy a hand up front, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna share share with us for a moment.
1: Good morning, everyone. Thank you for uh, for inviting me to come and speak. My name is Sammy Win. Um, I would like to share with you how I got saved. I came from a strong Buddhist family. And I had never thought about becoming a Christian because I had no clue. 1985, I went to church for the first time. My supervisor invited me to visit his church out of respect, I went. And they gave me a Bible. And I had never read it because I had no clue. I opened it up. Nothing in there that makes sense to me. I met my wife 1989. She talked to me about Jesus. She advised me to go to church and get saved. And I went to church with her for a couple times. And a lot of people there just, you know, say hallelujah and God and all really, really good stuff, but I had no clue. In 1993, I began my career at Dana Corporation in Morganton. There were a lot of Christians over there They began to talk to me about Jesus, about getting saved, about born again spiritually. And they also invited me to join their devotional Bible and morning prayer. Now that place is awesome. They had a prayer room. So quite a few folks gathered around uh, in the morning before 7 o'clock. So they start reading the Bible and start praying for other people. So I thought, wow, this is very neat. And I went for a few times, but I had never give up. And all people there that were praying for me, they were praying over me. Until November 6, 2000, I went to Revival at Dudley Show's Baptist Church. Through invitation, I was overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. That was awesome. That was, a, that was a wonderful feeling that I had ever felt. Then I went to the altar, got down on my knees, I asked God to forgive my sin, to forget what I did wrong. Then I accepted Jesus as my Lord and my personal Savior. And the transformation began. Just like preacher Lynn said, the old is gone. Now I'm in the new life. In the new life with Christ forever. And that was awesome. Then, I went home that night, I was looking for the Bible that they, gave me, that they gave me back in 1985. Notice this, throughout 15 years, I had moved from place to place, and that Bible was still with me that night. Now that, that is so amazing. I don't know that, why and how that happened but that's amazing. But I know that the book of Jeremiah saying this, by grace you are saved. Also James 4.8 saying this, if you draw near God, God draw near you. Although that I had never told people that whether I will become a Christian or not, but because of predestination, God had a plan for me. And three months later, I got baptized, and I started going to church with my wife and my children. And my children, Brooke and Cameron, back up there, uh, they got saved back in February 5, 2006. And thanks the Lord for that. Thanks God for my wife and my children. <clears throat> Ask a question, and I'm sure that every one of you probably have the same way as I am. Ask a question. I've always been very enthusiastic in praying with people. So I would like to share with you a very short story. The place where I used to work at, Dana Corporation, there's one morning I met this gentleman. His name is Dennis Almond. He was walking down the aisle, and, you know, he was very sad. He was walking like this. Then me, I stopped by right away. I said, hey, Dennis, how you doing, buddy? Are you doing, doing all right? Then he started telling me about what the doctor told him. The doctor told him that he has cancer. Then I asked him to go to the prayer room, and I'll go get somebody, and we'll pray. So I gather a group of people. We, as we entered the prayer room, we all felt the Holy Spirit. As if I'm feeling right now. Because the moment you accept Christ, Christ is in you. Therefore, you have the Holy Spirit. So we put our arms around him and prayed for him. And a week later, I met him again. And I asked him, Dennis, how are you? He said, Sammy. The doctor say that I don't have cancer, so I don't have to go through treatment. And I say, thanks God. Thank God for that, and amen. But ladies and gentlemen, I know that God has predestination for me. And through all these steps, God guide me every step of the way. From Came from a strong Buddhist family. And to be here, that is an awesome, awesome journey. And ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for listening to my testimony. And thank you for preaching. For inviting me to come and speak. And thank you. And God bless Day Three Church. And God bless Dudley Show Baptist Church as well. And thank you very much.
0: Now, uh, th- th- that that was the polished version of it a little bit. But while we were there in, in, in Fair Value, just as he started talking, I mean, he's just, he, he's just like this, you know, as he was sharing with me, everything that happened, you know, and all. And, and I remembered it so much. And that's, uh, you know, he just uh, had a lot of energy as he was sharing it with me there. And and that's why I want him to come share it here, because it's a blessing to know what? That, that new life's available for me. <clears throat> and that the old can be gone and that you have a new life in Christ. You become a new creation. So as we think about the new life this morning, not only is there new life for for me, for you, as you write that, we we also need to consider this about the new life. There's, There's new life for anyone. New life for anyone. He said, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard... Him thus no longer. And then the verse we just looked at that we applied to us, you need to recognize that, that it applies to other people. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. I- anyone is something that includes you and I as individuals, but anyone also has this connotation of applying to, to anyone else, no matter who they are, no matter what they have done. And I think a lot of times when we think about a new life for us, we get really excited and, you know, well, I've got a new life for me, but sometimes we we fall short of having excitement that for other people, their past is gone. That for other people, they are a new creation. That that for other people, that that they have a new life. That that person also gets the same mercy and the grace that we have. And and to help us kind of explore that just a little bit more, I want us to understand that a new life for anyone means this to begin with. It means that that we need to stop regarding people according to the flesh. The, The way I regard, the way I view other people, and he's writing here, I think, about believers, is not just according to the flesh, who they are and what they've done. He said in verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. That's what Paul said about himself. <laughs> he said, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. What Paul is saying is this. There was a time in Paul's life that he viewed Jesus less than who Jesus really is. There's a time in Paul's life that he, that he viewed Jesus just as, you know, well, it's just, just a Another teacher, some we don't we're not told this in the Bible, but some you know, some historians and traditions believe that that maybe Jesus and Paul might have sat underneath the, the same rabbi at some point in time. But anyway, he's saying, "I, I viewed Jesus just according to the flesh i didn't view him as the messiah. I, I didn't view him as, as the savior, i didn't view him as God in the flesh. I, I, I just viewed him as a human being. But that changed one day as Paul was persecuting the church and he was taking a group of believers that had been arrested down to Damascus and all of a sudden the risen Jesus shows up. And he has an encounter with Jesus to where he understands that's who he is and he changes completely his terminology in dealing with Jesus and he calls him Lord and he exercises faith in Jesus. So Paul said, I used to view Jesus this way but now I don't because I understand who he is. That's Paul's experience. He's kind of given that to us as an illustration. And then Paul said, therefore, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. He, he's given us some information. I believe that we need to stop regarding people just according to the flesh. And think how guilty we are of doing that a lot of times. Someone might come to Christ, but you know what we are prone to do, even in the church a lot of times? We remember who they were. We we remember what they've done. And and the the life that they had before, the things that that, that define who they were before. And, And instead of allowing them to be who they are now, someone that's in Christ that we've already talked about, we we try and view them and regard them and, and define them based upon who they used to be, what they had done in their life. See, instead of us viewing somebody through the through the lens of their past, I need to view them through the cross. Sammy, come back real quick uh, up here to the front, and I, just, I had him give a testimony. I told him earlier he didn't come. Uh, come on up real quick. I told him he may become a living. Uh, illustration too in in this um, and since he just gave us his testimony I'm going to use him for an illustration in this I, I've got a couple of choices I can view Sammy as who he used to be you know in in, in Buddhism and things like that or I can view him you know different culturally or, or even you know racially or whatever the, I can view him like that or guess what I can view him as a new creation in Christ, that's how I choose to view him as my brother in Jesus. Thank you for coming back up, man. That, that's how I choose to view him. But all too often, if we're not careful, when we talk about this new life stuff, it's great for me. I mean, th- thank God that I've got a new life. Jesus died for me. I'm forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. God forgave me of my past. My past is is old and gone. It's passed away, the old's passed away and it's gone. I've got a new life, I'm a new creation in Christ. But then when it comes to other people, when it comes to anyone, a lot of times we fall short of letting it apply to anyone because when we look at other people other than ourselves, a lot of times we'll say, well, yeah, that person might have trusted Jesus, but I remember what they did. I remember who they used to be. Paul's telling us that we need to stop regarding people Just according to the flesh, and instead, here's what we need to do. We need to start regarding people as new creations, thus having new lives. Because he goes on, the same verse that we applied to ourselves a moment ago. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. The way you and I ought to regard other believers is not who they used to be, it's who they are now. The the way I ought to view somebody else's life once they become a Christian is that now they are permanently in Christ. The old, it said, was gone. It said it was passed away. In other words, quit having in your memory what they did before they came to Christ. Have a funeral over it, bury it, and forget about it. Because they're now... In Christ, instead of evaluating people on their uh, basis of their education, or their race, or their finances, or their position in society, all the stuff that we tend to do, here's what you and I need to view people as we need to view them as being in Christ. That's where they're. Worth is. That's where their value is. It isn't that they have so many degrees in front or behind their name. Or they have so many million dollars in the bank. Or, or they've lived a pristine life because no one really lives a pristine life. The Bible says that's impossible. We've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. We need to view that their old is gone. Like I said, it's dead and buried. We need to regard them as they are now. Someone that is in Christ. You understand the need for that? You ever been around when that didn't take place? Happens at church a lot, doesn't it? Regrettably. We need to be sure that we view people as having a new life if they're in Christ. It's a new life for me, thank God. It's a new life for you, thank God. Guess what? It's a new life for other people too who know Christ as their Savior. The last thing I want you to get this morning is this. It's also a new life for everyone. Now, I understand everyone and anyone sound pretty close together. But as you look at it in these verses, you'll understand it's really something different. Anyone was written talking about believers and what Paul was saying. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So the anyone there is speaking of us not viewing them in the flesh any longer, but instead viewing them as they are now in Christ. Anyone is talking about a believer that's come to Christ in in the context of what Paul had written there. And we need to realize that new life and forgiving people and letting their past be gone is for anyone, for any believer that's come to Christ because he's now a new creation. Everyone, though, when we look at it in the context of what Paul writes here, everyone, he talks about the world. And he writes these words. <clears throat> All this is from God. In other words, the, <laughs> the only way we've got any hope is from God anyway. It's not us doing it. All this is from God, who through Christ, through Jesus, through God becoming man in Jesus, through Jesus going to the cross and paying the penalty for our sins. Through Jesus, God has reconciled us to Himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you on the behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. Now the major part of the message probably is right in this for us today. Because none of you that know Christ as your Savior have any problem thinking, oh, a new life's for me. And I think around here for the most part, maybe we don't have any huge problem saying a, a new life's for anyone, no matter what they've done. But I do think we've got a problem, not just us as this church, but any church and a lot of believers in this day and time have this problem in that we're not letting the new life be for everyone because we're not sharing the gospel like we need to, because if we're sharing the gospel like we need to, we would see more people coming to Christ. I've already been hitting on this as we started this series going into a new year. Last week we talked about you need to sing a new song. Why? Because other people need to hear it. We we even closed out the the series that we were doing at at Christmas, talking about the need for that, for us to share the gospel. Well, Christ as he or Paul, as he writes here about the new life that we have in in Christ. He's, He's telling us that this new life is a gospel message. For the world, as a gospel message that we're to share with anyone. Two things I want you to get, and I'm going to say you know, a good bit about one and not as much about the other. Here's the first part of it. Here's our blessed part again that we love talking about. God has reconciled us, talking about you and I as believers, as Christ followers, as Christians. He's reconciled us to himself through Christ. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. <clears throat> the word for reconciled here means to change mutually. The way God viewed us has now changed the moment we receive Christ as our Savior. The way we viewed God, because if you're being honest with yourself and understand you're a sinner, you're not thinking, oh, I want to go and be in God's presence because He's holy. Now the way you view God has also changed. It's changed mutually because of what Christ has done in your life. Not just that, as you think about a mutual change, here's what also took place in order for that to happen. Jesus took our place in our sin in order that we might have Him in our life in His righteousness. He died for us. A mutual change takes place. Jesus said, I'm taking your sin, and I'm giving you my righteousness. (coughs) And he's reconciled us to himself through Christ. The great exchange took place. You might want to call it that. I'll try and call it that later. But a great exchange took place by by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And now we are reconciled to God. We once were separated from him. Now we're brought back together because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, Here's the main thing I want you to get. Unless you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, the main thing you need to get is what I just said. The only way you can be reconciled to God is through Christ. Because He took your sin. And the only way you're going to heaven is to believe upon Him and receive Him as your Savior. But probably for the most of us this morning, that know Christ as our Savior. Not only has God reconciled us Christians to Himself, He also wants to use our lives... God desires to use those. He's reconciled. That's us who know Christ as Savior. He wants to use us. He's reconciled to reconcile others. That's what Paul says in the rest of these verses. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul was talking about himself, but he was talking about these Corinthian believers that he's writing to also. And God applies it to us still yet from his word. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself. He wasn't counting their trespasses against them. Their sidesteps is, is the type of sin that is talking about there. And, and entrusted to us this message of reconciliation. God has given us a ministry, God's given us a, a message. He's entrusted to us the, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. You see, a new life, thank God is for me and it's for you. A new life is for anyone, no matter what they've done. If they've received Christ as their Savior, we need to let their old be gone. And understand they too have a new life. But a new life also, God desires it to be for anyone, because Jesus died for the sins of the world. Jesus Paid for that on the cross for them. And He's given us, it says, the ministry of reconciliation. Break some of that down just a, a little bit. Gave us, in the Greek, means to, to give with a very, very wide application. In other words, just like it's with great emphasis. God said, I have given you this and it's yours. You need to do something with it. That's kind of the idea that's being given. God looks at believers and He says, I am giving you something i am giving you in a huge way something that you're supposed to do something with and it's the ministry of reconciliation now if you're starting to think well ministry is just an intangible term that you just kind of need to say okay i've been given a ministry well guess what that means you do something with it The, the word that's used here for ministry is actually a form of the same word that deacon is built upon but what it really means is this it means a servant It means to aid someone. It means to officially provide service to somebody. It's even used to talk about a a Christian teacher, like I said, a deacon or a ministry or a minister. The root word means to run on errands. It gives the idea of doing stuff. It takes activity to be an attendant, to be a waiter. You're trying to wait on somebody's needs. So in, in those terms, think about what we're saying. God has given to us, those who are in Christ, He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation, and He expects us to do something. We're supposed to be actively doing something to reach a lost and dying world. You're supposed to actively be doing something in your life to try and share this message of reconciliation with people around you. I mean, we've already kind of heard it in in Sammy's testimony. Where, Where did it really start at, his connection with Christ? It started with somebody that he was working with inviting him to church is where it began. He didn't become a Christian then, but that's where it started. And then he didn't know any better than to marry a Christian wife. You see, I'm afraid, I'm afraid we come here a lot of times in the walls of this place and we're just thinking, well, you know, people can come here and get saved. Yes, they can, but they can get saved out there. They can get saved at the workplace and in the home. Or you can bring them here because typically in our culture, people aren't just thinking when they get up on Sunday morning after Saturday night, I think I'm going to go to church today. But if you've developed a rapport with somebody, you've invested your life with somebody, you've built a relationship with somebody, it kind of starts to earn the right where you can do what somebody did with Sammy and invite them to come. It's something for us to be involved with. Where reconciliation means an exchange. Uh, you know, back up please. It means an exchange. It means, it, it means restoration to divine favor, atonement, or reconciliation. We've been given a ministry to go to people and offer them the great exchange that we've had. The great exchange that we had is this. Jesus took our sin, now we have his life. And he's given us that as a ministry, as believers, for you and I not to just say, thank God I've got a new life, or other believers have a new life, their old is gone. God wants us to take this ministry of reconciliation, this message of reconciliation, to a lost and dying world, and say, look, there's a great exchange that can take place in your life. You can get rid of your old and you can be new. You can, you can get rid of your sin and be forgiven and be on your way to heaven. God, in fact, it says this. God has, I mentioned Great Exchange a moment ago, but God has entrusted to us this responsibility. And the word for entrusted means this, to place in the widest application possible when you look at it in the Greek. And here it denotes a fixed position. God has put in you, if you're a believer, He has entrusted to you in a fixed position Now, something I didn't put in the notes but in the Greek the tense in the Greek means it's passive you want to know why it's passive that means God's given it to you but you have to decide what you're going to do with it God has given to every believer the ministry of reconciliation he's entrusted it to us he's placed it in our hands so to speak he, he's done so in a fixed position. If you know Christ, God has looked at you and He said, All right, I've given you a ministry. You might not have acted on it yet. See, too often we think of, you know, ministry means we have to go start a church. You have to go be a missionary. No. Every believer, every child of God, God has said, I have entrusted into you a ministry of reconciliation. It's there in a fixed position, but since in the in the Greek, since it means in a passive way in other words, he's put it there but it, it, it only is going to be exercised if you decide to do it if you decide to be willing to share the gospel with somebody else he's entrusted to you the message I know I'm, this might sound oversimplified but some people come up with all kinds of excuses, why not to tell somebody about Jesus, well I'm living the life of Jesus before people yeah, you, keep, you keep believing that you know You might do it part of the time, but guess what? You're human and so am I. And if they watch us very long, we won't look a whole lot like Jesus. The word for message here means something said. I can tell them what Jesus has done for me. I can tell them I'm still human, I'm not perfect, I'll still fall. I can tell them I'm not heading to heaven because I deserve to. I'm a sinner that deserved to go to hell just like anybody else. But it's because of what Jesus has done for me and the great exchange that took place. I'm on the way to heaven. It's something that is said, something that you verbalize, something that God has given you. He's entrusted it into your hands, into my hands as believers. We're talking about a new life this morning. Thank God you and I can have a new life, Right. Thank God other believers have a new life and we need to let them have it and their their old be gone and they've got a new life that they're living. But we need to understand there's a lost world around us and God has invested into us this ministry of reconciliation to try and do what we can through sharing the gospel message with them to reach them for Christ. In fact, he calls us Ambassadors. The word for ambassador literally means in, in the Greek to be like a senior representative or to act as a representative. You understand what ambassador is today? We, we send ambassadors to, to foreign countries to represent our interest as a nation in a, another country, in another nation. That's what an ambassador is. That is someone sent there to represent the United States of America in another nation. In Roman time, and, and the illustration that Paul is probably hitting at here is, is this. In Roman, in Roman time, they had, uh, under the Roman kingdom, they had two types of provinces. One was a senatorial province, and a senatorial province was an area that was settled, and they loved being part of Rome. They weren't rebelling against Rome. They were fully settled. They were like fully Roman and, and they were tickled with it. But there were also imperial provinces. And in an imperial province, Rome was in charge. Rome had come in and took control of the area. But the people there didn't like it. And even though it was part of the Roman Empire, those people there were living in rebellion against the Roman Empire. So Rome would send ambassadors there into that area, into that imperial province trying to trying to win them. And in the same way, that's what God is doing with us. What God wants to do with your life and my life. God desires for you and I who know Christ as our savior to be ambassadors. You see that that imperial province was in rebellion. Guess what? We live in a world that's in rebellion against Jesus. In rebellion against God, and God has called you and I to be ambassadors, and the message that we're to go proclaim is a message of peace. You can have peace with God through Jesus. You can be a new creature through Jesus. You can be a new creation through Christ. You can have the same new life that I have that Jesus gave me if you will trust in Jesus Christ. He's given us that as a message. And he tells us we ought, to, we ought to implore people to be reconciled to God. It says be reconciled to God. That's the message that we're to give. The word implore means to, to call near or to invite or to invoke. It's like we're beseeching them. We're telling them, listen, here's a message that, that God's given me to give you and I'm imploring you, you need to be reconciled to God. You need to let the great exchange take place in your life. You need to receive Christ as as Savior. He's given us that, that, that message to tell other people that Jesus changes their lives like he changed our life. It's real easy to get excited about new life for me. We all be excited, although I told you earlier, sometimes the church misses it. Sometimes we don't Get as excited or apply it as much in regard to the people, giving them the same new life because we won't remember their past. Listen, their old is gone, they're a new creation in Christ. That's how we ought to view them. And while doctrinally, today, all of you that know Christ, I feel very sure doctrinally, every one of you would agree with me that we're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ, that we have a message to share, that we need to go tell people, implore people to be reconciled to God. I feel like everyone here that knows Christ as their Savior, you would doctrinally, theologically agree with me. That's what we're supposed to do. The problem comes with application. The problem comes with you and I being willing to apply that and leave this place and go to a lost world understanding we are ambassadors to Christ and carry that message of Jesus to a lost world. That's the problem. Why should we do that? Because they need to be reconciled just like we've been reconciled. How does it happen? How can a lost world be reconciled? Well, I've not read verse 21 yet except early in the message, but here's how. For our sake, He... God the Father made Him, God the Son, to be sin, who knew no sin. Jesus, perfect Lamb of God, was made sin, literally made sin for us. In order that we might become the righteousness of God. That a great exchange that can take place. It's for us. It's for me, it's for us, for you, for anyone. It's also for everyone. I hope this coming year, wherever you go, in this new year, at work or wherever, I hope you will remember you're an ambassador for Christ. Guys, I hope we have to fill the baptismal pool up every week and leave it here. Because you go forth from this place remembering you're an ambassador for Christ and you share the gospel with them. See, you don't have to bring them here and then hear me preach or a band or anything else for them to be saved. You can share Jesus with them, bring them in here, come to the front with them and say, you know, this person received Christ as their Savior this week. And God has invested that in you in a fixed position, expecting you and I to be ambassadors for Him. It's a new year. And this series is not about making resolutions or moral, morally reforming our lives. This is about a, a message of regeneration. It's about recreation. It's about God changing us. We become new creatures in Him. According to the Bible, and i give you three things, and then we'll close. But According to the Bible, we can have life through Jesus. In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we may live through him. I can have everlasting life through Jesus. I can also have everlasting life with Jesus because Thessalonians tells us this, who died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, we may live with him. In other words, whether I'm alive or whether I'm dead, if I know Christ my Savior, guess what? I'm with him for all eternity. So I can have life through Jesus. I can have life with Jesus. And because of that, I also ought to live my life for Jesus. And he died for all that those who live, those who've had that great exchange take place, those who've become new creations that we've talked about, those that have this new life, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So how's your life? Let's pray, Father. We, uh, God, we pray right now that, first of all, um, or God, I pray. I, I pray, God, that you you reminded people today what a great blessing it is to know that they're forgiven if they've trusted Christ as their Savior. What a great blessing it is to to have a new life, to be a new new creation in Jesus, for the old things to be gone and passed away. Father, I pray everyone here this morning that knows Christ, God, I, I pray that you, God, that you thrill them and humble them with that reality today, that they've got a new life in Jesus. Father, I pray that you'll help us as believers, that we will regard other believers as we should, not look at them as who they used to be, but who they are now in Christ. God, I pray that as believers, you will will burden our hearts with the ministry of reconciliation that you've given us, with the work that you've given us. That you would help us to view ourselves as ambassadors to a world that's in rebellion against you, and that you would help us to to share the message of reconciliation so the great exchange can happen in, in their lives, and they too can have new life. Father, if there's someone here today that doesn't have that new life, (coughs) they've never said yes to Jesus. Father, I just pray somehow through the message, through the testimony that Sammy brought, Father, I pray you'd speak to them and show them that you care so much for them, you sent your son to die in their place on the cross, that through him they can have everlasting life. Help them right now to admit to you they can't save themselves. And give them right now the faith that they need to say yes to Jesus. Fast these things in the name of Christ. Head still bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. The invitation is always open here to uh, to someone to come and receive Christ as Savior, and we're going to invite you to do that in a moment. And in just a, just a moment, we, you know, we're going to have a, a short business session. But what I'm going to ask you to do right now is a more important vote than anything that could take place later on in any kind of business session. First of all, I want you to evaluate in your life if you know that you're in Christ. And if you are, kind of check that off and say, I know that I'm in Christ, I, I know I'm a new creation. Secondly, I want you to evaluate... If maybe you've had a problem allowing other people to be in Christ, allowing other people to be new creatures, and maybe you've held their past against them, and, and you need to ask God to forgive you and help you with that attitude right now. But the third thing I want you to do, and I want you to pray about this just for a second, and I want you to evaluate and I want you to only do this if you truly mean it. If you will make a commitment today, heads bowed, no one looking around. If you'll make a commitment today that you want to be more of an ambassador for Christ this year than you've ever been in your life, that you're willing to share with other people the message of reconciliation so they can have the same new life that you have, if you're willing to make that commitment, and only if you mean it. That's why I'm asking heads to be about I don't want anyone standing because somebody else stands. If you're willing to make that commitment this morning. To do all you can this coming year to be an ambassador for Christ. Will you just quietly stand to your feet and, and remain standing. for some reason you could not stand, it may be that you need to receive Christ as Savior yourself, whatever, I invite everyone just to stand with me right now. Please remember those commitments that you just made. Let's make 2012 a great year for reaching people for Jesus. As the band sings, if you've got some other public decision, if you need to come pray here at the front, if you need to come and have questions about what it means to receive Christ, we invite you to step out and come. As a band plays. you are listening
1: to Sermon Audio from Day Three Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at And for more information, find us on the web at daythreechurch.com.